Content warning. This series contains mentions of mental health issues, suicide, sexual abuse, and other sensitive subjects. This is your host, Andrew Pledger, and this is Surviving Bob Jones University, a Christian cult. Inspiration about the old testament. Creation of man by the direct act of God. The incarnation and virgin birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Episode 9 BIPOC at BJU. In the first part of this interview, Sharon shares her experiences of being a person of color at Bob Jones University. For another interrogation for my outfit from India, which is considered modest, but I was wearing a kurta with leggings. And now, I, mind you, I told this to my friends. I told this to my boyfriend, and I told this to my friends, and I told it to my parents. And they were like, they were trying to give you demerits for you wearing your outfit, like a traditional outfit. And apparently, one of the girls who was an RA told them that my slit on my dress was all the way up to my butt. And I was like, that's a cord though. That's how it's supposed to be. Plus, it's a big top that uh-huh. covers my butt. And I found it just really annoying because I was just like, I'm trying so hard just to go by your rule book, per se, which I don't want to, but I am trying. And this was for artist series, and I was I never heard back about that. So I assumed that it was fine because I basically told the RA because she was the one who came to my room to talk to me. And I was like, hey, this is a traditional outfit. This is what the dress looks like. And I know that you don't want to do this, but you are hating on my culture, and that is not okay. If everybody was in there after she left, she's go queen. <laughs> <laughs> so like, how did they treat students of color versus white students. I still see that if girls from America wear dresses that like come above their knee or as two inches, the dress comes like two inches above their knee, people don't make a big deal out of it. But if it's an international student, they have their clothes. I am like international students stand out. Especially like me, like I'm like brown skin, so like I stand out very well. And I told you I was asked to go change my outfit, like yes, before. And it's very, it makes you feel like you don't matter. And I know that there are international students who leave because they feel like they don't matter. And then those who recruit you into the school will feel like they didn't do a great job, which. I'm not blaming those who recruited us. I am blaming the student life for that. Even in DG, like the certain girls, like the GL, the group leader, and the assistant group leader. I have certain things to tell about. Yeah. is There are a number of girls. Like there was one time I was in the DG and there were girls who are of different race, African-American. I'm an Indian and another friend of mine was Hispanic. And I felt like they were trying so hard. And they were like, oh my gosh, I can, like, the, sorry, like, these two girls were like, oh my gosh, I can speak. Yeah, I can understand Spanish. And you go outside and you're like, when someone tells you they can understand Spanish or they can understand certain Indian languages, then you're like, oh, that's nice. 
okay, if I say this, can you understand this? And like you have a normal conversation with them and it's not too try hard and you can tell versus in DG, it's like just basically like hating on you. And the, they stare at me like I wear shorts into my DG and then they were just staring at me. And I was like, I'm allowed to wear shorts in the dorm. So if you're staring at my skin, I... It's, that's not my problem. That's a you problem. And I've had a number of times I've walked up the dorm just uh, out of my room to just to go to the bathroom. And I'm like wearing shorts and I get like these... If these two girls were around, they would just stare at my legs. And it could be just them. But sometimes like I would walk out wearing a dress and I would see like RAs like stare at me. And there's like a constant eye on me as to what I'm wearing. And I just thought that was like political mess. I don't think I would get that if I went anywhere else. Yeah. Don't. There's no freedom to wear what you want as someone of color. Like you're so conscious. They make you feel insecure more and put your confidence down, which is not okay. Like I go off campus and I stay off campus sometimes and I wear what I want and I feel like free but on campus, like, you're not allowed to wear yoga pants. I guess that comes for, as a woman living at Bob Jones, you're not allowed to wear shorts or yoga pants, and that's not okay. That's not even, that's below okay at this point. Keep up with the time of the 18th century. And it was crazy to me because I remember when I was a freshman in 2018, that was the first year they started letting girls wear dress pants. To class. And that's why you have more women students coming now. Otherwise, you wouldn't be having students at all. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. Coming in, and oh my gosh, oh, that just took that long. But back on topic, when were you aware of Bob Jones' racist history? And really, about it's interesting because you are in an interracial relationship. Relationship. And Bob Jones banned interracial dating until 2000, which then it was lifted. So when did you find out about that? I did not hear about it till the end of my freshman year. And I was in shock. No, not even the end. I think it was like the midweek of COVID happened. And then we got back for a second semester freshman year. So it was at that point was when I heard from a number of other friends, we were just sitting there on the couch and like we were just talking. And then they had mentioned, one of my friends had mentioned, yeah, this used to be the rule. And I was like, wait, what? And like, I was mind blown. I was like, I did not, why didn't I hear about this when I was in India? Why do I hear all of this after coming to this university? Why don't you tell me ahead of time? Do not assume that your international students like know everything, but also at the same time, do not assume that they do not know that. For me, I wasn't aware of it because of the background that I grew up in. And so they kept it hush versus like when I came here, it was just if you're living somewhere else, then that's different. You're in an interracial relationship at Bob Jones and Bob Jones III is still the chancellor of the university and who has said so many racist things in the past and went on Larry King to talk about Bob Jones' interracial dating ban. I also do think that I want to mention that his 
when I came here freshman year, he told me, he was like, I feel like you'll find a man here. Who, wait, who said this? The chancellor. Bob Jones at third. When did he say this? This is in our private meeting that we had because he knows. Wait, would the international students meet with Jones at third? No, I just. You never told me about this. I met him by myself like sophomore year. And I told him, this is back to worse, sophomore year. And I told him that I have a boyfriend and he wanted to meet my boyfriend. But he was genuinely happy for me. And I feel like this, I think that he doesn't want, like, he, he wants happiness for the student. But yes, he has made racist comments. And I don't disagree with you on that one. But he made this comment where, with, you know, that he was actually, like, happy, like, truly happy. And I could tell that he was. But there was a part of me that, like, I know he was used to say he does try to keep a close eye on you if he knows you. And like when I had talked to him before, like that I met up with him, it's just like normal conversations of how classes are going. And so we talked about all of that. And like to me, like he just wanted to keep meeting up with more students and no one was giving him the opportunity. So for him, it was. It just feels like he just doesn't want it to be that way, but because of his dad and the indoctrination from his dad is what made him to be the way he was or is right now. But if it weren't for then, if it were up to him, he would have done it differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what it seems like. He's fighting himself. Yeah. At least that's what it feels like. This is my opinion. Yeah. From what I would say. The next person I interview for this episode is Nathaniel Woodruff. And he attended the school from 2006 to 2010. I am so, so excited to have Nathaniel Woodruff coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Nathaniel, for taking the time out of your day to do this. Definitely a pleasure to um, get this done and, you know, get the message out. And um, maybe it's something that people will latch on to and it will become mm-hmm. a lot bigger than you could imagine. Yeah, but for people who do not know you, could you introduce yourself and give a quick overview of your background? I went to Bob Jones University from 2006 in the fall to uh, the spring of 2010. I kind of, I guess I came from the typical, well, what seems like the typical experiences the kids who go through the Christian school experience all the way up and have that pressure on them to go to a Christian college kind of a background. So um, I guess that's where I would be coming from. But I'm curious for you going to Bob Jones as a person of color, being a minority student on that campus. And what was your experience like from that perspective? You know, it's interesting. Um, I grew up as a minority my entire life because, like I I mentioned, um, I grew up in New Hampshire. So if you look up the statistics in the state, I was 98% white and 2% other. So if you have anything in your background that's more than 50% of anything, that's already a massive minority. But, you know, in my school the high school I went to when I was in New Hampshire, um, 
my cousins and I were the only black students that went there, but it wasn't an issue. I never had really experienced any difficulty. I was really largely treated the same as everybody else. But, you know, kind of in the way that things were done in the 90s where it's like people would be, I guess everybody emphasizes representation and such now, but back then it was more like colorblindness. Like, I don't see color, so I treat you the same as everyone else, and everyone is the same color, was kind of how it was done. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, I felt included um, most of the time, and I didn't really experience any troubles or any issues until I got to Bob Jones. The experience started off the same, but then you start to look at things like dating and, you know, interacting with people of other colors and backgrounds and well, my parents don't want me to date a black guy or a white guy or whatever. Well, I, I don't imagine anybody would have a problem with you dating a white guy, but um, yeah, it was just something that became much more prevalent and more noticeable. Uh, I had heard some things about Bob Jones and the way that things had been done, but as it was explained to me, those were issues that were in the past and weren't prevalent anymore. So I kind of dismissed it um, because it wasn't characteristic of my experience at that time. But largely, I felt like everybody else. It wasn't until I started to see certain trends, certain dynamics, like um, with societies. Like uh, one of my best friends was looking at joining Omega. And Omega has a certain stigma about it. I don't know if it was that way when you went there, since you were nearly 10 years after I was gone. But um, it kind of had a, a, an air of arrogance about them. You know, people were, they looked down on other people and that was their general atmosphere and attitude. And I didn't see it right away until one day I saw this guy uh, the day before a rush when he had to make your decision for which society you're going to join. And he said, you know, if you're not this type of person, then you don't belong in our society. And I took that personally, even though he wasn't specifically directing it at me, because, you know, it really speaks to the kind of people that they, quote, want in their society. But it actually turned out that my class, my joining class, was the class that wanted to change that. They wanted to change that dynamic and that stigma. So if I had joined, I might have been okay looking back. But if I had gone to another college, it definitely would have been okay. Yeah. And so what were some other experiences that you had um, surrounding your race and going to that school? Um, well, a lot of it for me was about dating. Um, you know, you'd be interested in wanting to get to know a girl. And, um, one of the first girls I met was in my speech class and she's like, well, I can't go out with you because, you know, it's Ryan. I didn't understand that. I was completely thrown by that. I'd never heard of that before. So, um, you know, it's interesting in a, in a group, a gathering of, you know, thousands of students where literally there's probably like less than 50 people who are the same background as you that um, are even the same quite age range as you, you would experience it from the larger group where it would just made you feel like you didn't really belong there. And there was a lot of scenarios and circumstances, I guess, that kind of supported that. But I largely, I guess I maybe didn't want to see it at first. And it became more and more obvious as time went on 
So I tried to stay in my lane and focus on what I felt was important at the time rather than focusing on that. Because there were plenty of girls who would be there to get their MRS degree or whatever. I just tried to focus on what I felt was important, you know, getting a good education and so on and so forth. But when I got to the nursing department is when I found that it was the voice was loud, too loud to ignore. I mean, I had a best friend growing up. We're still best friends. Um, and I talked to him about everything as I was going through it. And he never was one that was like that. I mean, I always told him when we joked about it, if if he had a sister, I probably would have married her. That's how close we were. But there was a few instances on the teaching side or the faculty side where I was in a chemistry class and this teacher accused me of cheating. And it was another one of those things where it was like, I didn't really think about it at the time because I wasn't cheating. But it's like, you know, you're taking a test and somebody is proctoring the test that doesn't teach the class. And so maybe they're just looking at it like, you know, a black person walks into a, a retail store. So you put all your eyes and focus and attention on that person instead of, you know, anybody who looks suspicious. But, um, but I think back to that moment and it was like, you know, I'm looking up at the ceiling because I'm trying to recall an answer. And the teacher's like, yeah, I saw you looking at somebody else's test or whatever. Thankfully, it never ended up becoming more than that because the teacher wasn't that way. But the the person that proctored the exam was definitely looking to get me in trouble. And um, after I passed that class, it was uh, something that I kind of forgot about. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm sorry that they treated you that way. In the next part of this interview, Nathaniel talks a bit more about some of his other experiences at Bob Jones University. A friend of mine needed help preparing for a procedure. This was when I was in nursing school. It was a really simple procedure. I still remember it. So uh, the procedure was because they had what they call checkoffs. So you basically practice doing this procedure on like a dummy or however they need you to do it. And then once you have been signed off and as doing it in front of a teacher, then they will give you the okay, the green light to do it in the clinical setting. And so the procedure was drawing up insulin in a syringe. And they were giving me such grief at the time that I just went ahead and practiced this ad nauseum for two hours. On all seriousness, an idiot can learn this process in 15 minutes. It's not difficult at all. But that's just the level of where I was at that time. So anyway, I was up there in the nursing building. It was getting late because I had been in there for the last couple of hours. And um, I ran into a classmate and she asked me, she said, um, she asked me for help. And I figured, well, if you know how to do something, then you could probably explain it to someone else. So we went up to the room to uh, practice and per university policy, all the doors were left open, lights were on to promote the supervision by the roaming lab monitor. We sat in chairs roughly 10 feet apart. I can't believe I wrote this down. So there was no way there was any physical contact that could have been construed. The lab monitor walked in and stated that we weren't to be in the room in isolation, but neither of us thought much of it because at that particular time, there was somebody else in the room with us, and then they left. There was only like five, maybe ten minutes left before the building, before the uh, building closed. And then the lab monitor literally circled back and was like yelling at us to leave. And so we left and didn't think anything of it. But then we both got called into the um, 
nursing chairperson's office like the next day. And she called each of us in, in individually because it looked like, you know, there's a guy and a girl in an isolated place. So clearly they're doing something. And it was, it was pretty crazy. But at the end of the, um, her interrogation, she concluded that both of us were telling the truth, but she decided it would be best to give us demerits anyway for failure to follow instructions. Cause that's the, uh, the, always the default if they can't nail you for anything else. So they gave the girl 10 demerits and they gave me 25. Oh, afterwards, she decided in addition to the punishment, she would size me up in an effort to change me. She told me that she felt that I was a liar and that she'd seen my type before because she'd been in her position a long time and she'd seen it all. She said that in addition, she believed that I was very arrogant and that I was above the law and above reproach. She said I was going down a bad path and uh, ultimately I would be on the road to heartbreak. And so I was so thrown by it because it was completely out of context. Like I really have no idea where that came from. It was so out of left field. I went to my best friend and asked him about it just to see if, you know, maybe I was really off base about it. And he was like, yeah, no, that's not true. That's not accurate at all. And it made me feel a little bit better about it. But basically she said she gave me 25 demerits and the girl 10 because she felt that I as the guy am responsible even though she said she believed that I was telling the truth which makes no sense at all uh yeah oh and like it's always it it is an interesting situation and like I'm glad y'all didn't have to meet with like the dean of men or the dean of women because oh yeah that's brutal because for me, when I got in trouble for the 50 demerits, it was kind of nice that I already knew the person that I met with mm-hmm. um, to talk about it in student life. But they were, like, pretty cool about it. I was really surprised to see all the horror stories mm-hmm. I've heard. And then for the girl, she was accused of being a slut and a whore, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, grilled so much are the Dina women. And, like... For me and the other guy, like it was like no big deal at all. It was like pretty, it was actually kind of an enjoyable conversation. I was surprised by that, but I was like, but then hearing from my friend, her experience with the Dean of Women, which I haven't heard anything good about the Dean of Women, which. Oh, but, yeah, it's but, and it's like a whole different world too, at least it is. I was there because the women would always say how they felt there was a double standard because the women had to be held to this massively higher standard than the guys. The, the Bob Jarrett standard wasn't already ridiculous. And, um, you know, the guys could pretty much do whatever they wanted, like, you know, play video games or whatever. And girls couldn't even have video games in the dorms. Oh, I didn't know that. At least uh, when I was there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that changed in the subsequent years afterwards. But yeah, yeah. You know, they, weren't, they weren't allowed to at that time, oh, which is pretty crazy. I mean, not that many girls play video games anymore. Yeah. But still, it's <laughs> like, if you have the shoe on one foot, you should put the shoe on the other foot, right? But I'd like to play video games, so let's not go that direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like to talk about before we end this interview? Well, I guess I should get into the how I ended up or why what happened to me. Mm-hmm. You said um, you ended up getting expelled. Like I said, I, I didn't get expelled. But basically, after the fact, I sent a letter to Stephen Jones, who was the president of the, of the university at the time, about my experience in the hopes that maybe as crazy as it sounded that they would undo their decision because they had forced me to withdraw, even though I was still passing my class. I was basically targeted from before I even joined the program and persecuted the entire time I was in the program. They put excessive, unnecessary pressure on just me 
and um, would ridicule me anytime I made a mistake or a perceived mistake. I had one teacher who suggested I get tested for a learning disability. This is definitely no disrespect to anyone who has a learning disability, but I don't have one. I had a 4.0 in high school or higher. I don't have trouble picking up concepts and learning. I don't have a learning disability. So it was, it hits as even more insulting now than it did then. It's kind of like Albert Einstein said, you know, if you spend your entire life judging a fish on its ability to climb trees, he'll believe it's, he's an idiot. And um, that's essentially the tactics that they used. I mean, I, I was admitted into the nursing program. And as soon as I was admitted, well, actually, no, they put me on the wait list. And the week before everything was due, they said I had been accepted into the program. And then I needed to let them know immediately if I was going to go. I didn't even know if I could afford to go back to school that next year. But I did everything I could. I was working 80 hours a week for that entire summer. And there was a bunch of immunizations that you had to have done to be able to work in a hospital setting. Anybody who does any kind of interning or clinical staffing would know and could speak to that. I had to figure out what it was I needed to get. And then I had to find time to cram it into my 80 hour week schedule. And then when I got to school, um, they docked my first like 10 assignments because of that. And then they also put me on academic probation. There was someone else who went through the same thing that I did, and they only docked like one assignment of theirs. So that right there was unequal treatment. And, you know, that racism that I spoke of in a much more dramatic fashion. But I had never dealt with anything like that before, so I really didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, you're supposed to be learning how to be an adult, so I didn't involve anybody else. The only person I really told when I was going through the th those things was my best friend. And he didn't have an answer that made any sense. You know, he said he, he couldn't speak to it. It wasn't his experience. And it wouldn't be because he was white. But, you know, he'd never seen it either. So he didn't know anything differently or any advice that he could really give that would help me through it. And my dad was even angry with me because, you know, he said, if, if you had told me you were going through this when you were going through it, you know, I could have done something about it. But there's nothing I could do about it after the fact. Yeah, that was but one example um, I ended up getting called into Crispin's office, the, the chairperson of the nursing department. And she said, I basically wasted my time all that summer because I was working the whole time. Like that isn't helpful. Um, uh, Mrs. Norton, I said, suggested I get tested for a learning disability. There were two of my classmates at the time who could have stuck up for me and knew what I was going through. They saw what I was experiencing and I, they weren't experiencing it. And needless to say, they were white. And so it's just like looking back, it's obvious, but you know, when you're going through it, you don't necessarily think that, especially when it it's contrary to your experience as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, there was just a series of intimidation tactics and they would call it observation, but that's really what it was. Um, when I got into the nursing program, they rearranged all of the, they gave us all schedules for who we were supposed to be with. And so the objective tests you take are, you know, they're objective, they're graded, the answer is the answer. But like I was explaining about the checkoffs, those are done in front of a teacher and they grade you. It's subjective. I could look at you and say, okay, you did the technique well, you get an A. Or I could say, well, you forgot this step or you hesitated when you did this, so I'm giving you a C- or an F. 
and it's such a small thing or it could be such a small thing that it's like, how do you really dictate that in, in any meaningful way? And despite those scenarios where they rewrote the schedule and they put me with all of the hardest, most difficult teachers, I still passed my academic probation my first semester and I had the lowest grades I've ever had. The following semester, they put me with uh, Bradley Reader. He really didn't like me. And they went from giving me C's and C minuses to F's. Everything I had with him was an F. And he thought, and he would tell me that I was a good student. I just wasn't applying myself. But it was like he was saying the same thing that Crispin would say. And it's like they had tag teamed on how they were going to do this. And he told me that day, the very same day that they decided to remove me from the program, that I have, quote, a heart problem. And if I didn't get right, they were going to remove me from the program. And it was that day that they actually chose to do that per his recommendation. But I was actually still passing. With, like I said, I think I had like a 74, which is still a C. And so it's like, well, what else can you do? You don't really want to go back to that that toxic environment, but you also don't want to lose all the money, the time, the energy, yeah. credits that you put in here. And so it's like trying to figure out what the next step is and how how to move forward. And that really took me a long time. Going back to what I want to do now, it's like, well, um, I would have gone into the medical field and I took classes elsewhere and I had opportunities to do so and I would have continued in it. And if I had the same opportunity at the at that same age, it would have, you know, been successful and it wouldn't have been an issue. But because of the money that I spent and poured into it, it just, it didn't end up working out. So it's unfortunate in the long run because I'm still paying for that. And I still have student debt from that. And it's crazy because that was more than 10 years ago. They refused to own up to it. So for me, when I heard that Crispin was fired or removed from her position, like about a year later, it was almost satisfying to hear that because I knew the kind of person that she was and she should absolutely have been removed from my situation. But I reached out to Stephen Jones and he wouldn't even look into it. He just read, read the script that he was told and moved on. He replied to my email one time and that was it. He wouldn't really talk to me after that. What did he say in the email? Um, he basically said, I, I had told him about what I went through and he basically said in really fancy or dressed up rhetoric that um, their their bullet points would be, well, the student wasn't prepared for class because I spent seven hours doing an assignment and I might have missed like a small section of something. But if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. So that's a zero. And I'm very sure that that's not the way that other students were treated because I'd like I would spend 10 hours prepping for every single clinical every single week. I was so knowledgeable about medicine. I diagnosed my friend over the phone when I got out of school and he needed surgery. I said, you have an umbilical hernia. And he did. Um, you know, I was not like I didn't learn. It wasn't like I was an idiot, but that's how they treated it. So any way that they could to discredit me. So he would basically look at that and he'd say, well, the student wasn't prepared for class. So unfortunately, you know, that that's what happened. That's that that is what it is. And that was it. He just kind of glossed over it and then went about his day. He really didn't care. And I was really surprised by that because he always portrayed himself as somebody who was or somebody who did. But then when you see what happened with the whole grace report and everything, it kind of shines a light on the way they really handle situations that 
the 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 poor manner in which they handled situations that they shouldn't have the way that they did. It's not surprising either that um, there was so much uh, sexual assault and such that was covered up. It's unfortunate. Yeah, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for shedding a light um, on these issues at Bob Jones. And I'm excited for people to, to hear your story and your experiences. Likewise, I'm excited to have it be told, to uh, have the opportunity to see mm-hmm. this podcast grow. And um, like I said, hopefully it will be more than more than what you could have not possibly imagined. Thank you for listening to this episode of Surviving Bob Jones University. It would be greatly appreciated if you could give the podcast a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews helps listeners just like you find the show.